Lauren, it's all it's all great. Um, I can see you perfectly. I can hear you perfectly. So we are all good. I just hit record, um, and so we'll jump in here. Uh, but Lauren, I've I've known of you. We've connected, you know, really just via social media so many times. And um, just to be honest, just from my my personal experience, just kind of seeing you, it's been such an inspiration to watch you really go through um, like Performance House and just build what you built. It's been amazing. And to watch the reaction from other people and who you're inspiring, how do you feel about that? Is that something that you end up at all? Like, What's your feeling with that? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on here. I was like so tickled that you asked me to do this. So I, I appreciate the kind words. It's, it's really, really cool um, that you did that. But yeah, I mean, I'm still having like a weird, I don't know, reaction to it where I kind of go, wow, this is like really a thing now. I never thought I would have a reach the way that I do now, um, which has been really cool. I was doing the whole one-on-one -on -one running around the city forever, and so I only had an impact, you know, directly that I could see on like 20, 30 people. Um started the whole social media outreach as well, which was like my first takeoff where I was like, wow, okay, like I can reach people. And then the whole like ladder app thing really is what went next level. So it's been amazing. Uh, I truly love what I get to do every day. I'm very passionate about this. So uh, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm definitely really fast forwarding through what I wanted to kind of structure this whole conversation with just because it's like really just want to kind of share those words with you and just know from other people in the field, it's, um, it's such a great thing to see. Uh, but for, you know, people who don't know you well or what you do well, I really want to get there so they can have a good uh, understanding of why I feel so passionately about seeing you uh, being so successful in this space. Uh, but one thing I've been doing with a lot of people is really wanting to stick with the theme of nutrition food. I think this is perfect for you. If anyone follows you on social media, I think people can really get a sense of how passionate you are about what you eat. Uh, more from, I guess, a quality standpoint. Like, obviously, we can go into nutrition, all that kind of stuff, too. But just, like, from, like, good-tasting food. Um, so what I want to ask you is this. If you did need to introduce yourself to a group of people without saying a word and you had to only introduce yourself through food, it could be something you make, a place you bring us to, how would you introduce yourself in food? What would we be eating? Oh, wow. So, like, I have, like, two answers to this. <laughs> okay. So, them. I would say the single, I'm going to give you two. Uh, a single food would be an egg for sure. Just like a one and done, you know, cognitive multivitamin with packed <laughs> with protein, uh, going to get the job done for whoever. Uh, but my personality is definitely like, like a, a taco and I couldn't tell you what kind of taco because I like them all, but definitely a taco, you know, that, that's how I would explain my personality for sure. I like that. I mean, a taco is so versatile in itself, right? Because it can be so many things. And from a nutrition standpoint, I feel like it can help in so many ways, right? It's like one of my favorite recovery foods. Um, so I think oh, it totally. can kind of sum you up well. I mean, I know, again, kind of on social media, we've seen certain things like, how popular did that salsa become that you and your family make? My yeah. gosh, that thing, like, I feel like people saw that and went crazy with it, no? 
Appreciate yeah, it. no, I'm actually out here regrouping with some of our old friends and the first request that they have when we come <laughs> over for like get togethers is can we make your salsa? So yeah, for those who don't know, it's we roast like the tomatoes and the peppers and do the whole like mocha head day, like, you know, grind it down experience. Brooks and I have gotten a little lazy and started blending it a little bit. And my family's like, that's not the original <laughs> recipe. So yeah, it's, it's good stuff. It's really hot, I will say, but it's good. You got to do what you got to do. Um, but yeah. no, I think that's, I think that's awesome. Great way to introduce yourself there. Um, and so before we kind of jump into just some kind of questions and I'm just so excited to get into those, but, um, I love when people can kind of just know, like, as they're listening, where can they find more about you? Where do you put most of your stuff? I mentioned Instagram, but like, where could people find more about Lauren? Yeah. So Instagram's great. I am on TikTok, but TikTok's kind of the wild west. <laughs> Uh, definitely like starting to get into that world, but, um, Instagram's great. Uh, I can, you know, provide any links as far as getting into the app and what ladder is. Um, I don't know if you want me to intro any of that, but that's probably where people can find me best. Yeah. IG Lauren, uh, Lauren Kansky, right? Lauren underscore Kansky. Yeah, it's, at, it's at Lauren underscore Kansky. Got it. And then also, because we'll mention here, just the Ladder app, which I think people have heard about before, um, but uh, your your program on the Ladder app, I'll let you talk about that in a little bit, but just so people can kind of look at it right now, get a sense of kind of where you are, which I think is awesome. Um, and then just the last kind of like, set, like set, set up question here, but like, what is it that you really do, like in so many words, and why have you decided to do what you do? Yeah, so... That's a, that's a good question. That's like a hard, that's one out the gate. Um, <laughs> kind of mouthful. Yeah. So I guess I'll just introduce myself here really quick. But uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Lauren Kansky, and I'm a trainer and fat loss coach out in New York City. And I do all of my programming and coaching now through the the Ladder app. And I actually started the idea and partnered with the team right before the pandemic hit. People wanted my workouts and wanted, you know, I wanted to make them affordable and available for everyone, not just the people I was training one-on-one -on -one in the city. So the latter app and what it is now was started from that concept where people could come in and train with me um, and get my workouts at a pretty affordable rate. And so now I'm one of 12 coaches on the app. I run Team Body and Bell, and there's thousands of people in our programs, which is truly pretty incredible. That's where the whole sense of community, you know, comes together and people have a, a safe space to come and connect over fitness and health and, you know, maybe get the support that they don't have in their personal lives. It's a really powerful place and platform. Um, and... And we do, so I run, like I said, I'm one of 12 coaches. I run Team Body and Bell, and it's it's essentially a, a general strength training program, but our main modality is the kettlebell. And that became popular as well during the pandemic because, you know, no one had equipment, and I started teaching people how to use the kettlebells that they had laying in their garage. Um, and if you know how to use a kettlebell, you actually have a full gym. You can train strength, you can train speed, power, endurance, all with one little piece of iron if you know how to use it correctly. So I'm sure, as everyone knows, the kettlebells have become very popular over the last couple of years, and it's just because of how versatile they are. Um, and yeah, and uh, aside from that, I'm, uh, I'm also an advisor for women's health out 
um, in New York. So I do a lot with their team and, um, you know, that's really fun. Have a lot of, a lot of reach there as well. So it's been fun contributing to that. Um, very long winded intro a little bit, but, um, I guess as far as like getting to where I am now and like why I'm so into what I do, um, and passionate is I grew up an athlete, very, very active throughout my childhood. I don't really think I know like a day without sweat. It was just kind of what I did. And, um, I just, I wouldn't say my passion for fitness and health really started until I was in college. I was actually, uh, pre-med at the time. I was med school bound, uh, wanted to go save the world, you know, (laughs) and, and help out there. And I was spending tons of hours in hospitals interning all through my college career. And, you know, that's when I truly just started to see the dark side of the healthcare industry and people coming in so sick and, you know, doctors handing out drugs and prescriptions to just kind of mask a much deeper issue. And it just made me really sick to my stomach. And I just couldn't fathom going into a space, especially spending all this money to go back to school to go help um, contribute to that problem. And so I wanted to help people in the fitness space and get them moving and, um, fueling their bodies properly. And so that's where my passion really came from as I kind of saw a a much bigger problem that I needed to go address in a different way. So, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. That's, um, and Knowing, I, I, I think you ended up with um, some sort of psych degree. Is that is that correct? Somewhat. You went into psych. Um, psych. You were in psychology, or no? No, I not psychology. I okay. um, got my degree in integrative physiology, which was like the pre med major at okay. CU. Yeah. A lot of people did that. Um, I mean, I've taken a lot of psych classes. I did a lot with nutrition in my undergrad. Yeah. So, I mean, you and I both know everything in the fitness and nutrition space is about mindset and perspective and what's going on in your brain, right? So, I guess you could say, I wish I, I should have (laughs) majored in psychology. (laughs) I thought, I I thought there was a little bit there, but still, yeah, if you are, if you're going into anything pre-med and you're going to be in this space, you have to make sure that you know that it is going to be, you know, mental, right? Making sure that we kind of take care of all of that. Um, but what a heavy kind of um, idea or topic, I think, to kind of jump into why you got in there. It's uh, it's 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 excellent to know that. And it's not just, you know, some sort of, um, you know, shallow idea of just wanting to kind of look good for some people, that kind of stuff, too. I love where you have come from. And I think that's why, you know, people, I think, are so drawn to you. Um, you actually already answered a question of kind of like, why the kettlebell? Because I think that it's something that is really important for people to know. I think kind of like, again, why you're changing lives, how you're, how you're doing it. But I also want to know here kind of why do you think your programming, your program, um, Body and Bell, um, and maybe just you in general, why do you think, like, what is it that you think you have? This is a tough question because you're kind of like speaking so positively about yourself. But what is it about what you do that you think is motivating people so much? Because you see it on mm-hmm. Instagram, you see it social media, you see it whenever you post things from, I think, the latter app too. You see people like, it's not, do they want to impress you? Is it something that they're like looking to impress themselves? But Lauren, it's amazing to see what you do and how you do it. 
but why do you think people are so drawn to how you put things together? Yeah, uh, that is a good question. Um, you know, I, I would say that this all kind of stems from a huge stigma, a huge issue in the, the fitness space, and that is the fact that people uh, come into a new program or, you know, their goals with this idea or this mindset that everything has to be so hardcore and so rigid. Like, they have to be all in, high intensity, going full speed ahead, committed to make changes and get results. And uh, I truly feel like where I really come into the picture is I, I show them that it, it doesn't need to be so black or white. They need to find this gray space and ease into something and take it in baby steps. And take, I, my, my crew knows very well in almost every single workout, you know, I, at the start of it, I'm always like, look, you're here to take what you need today. That might just be the warm up. That might just be the cool down. It might be the whole workout, whatever it is. You know, the small little things and the small little steps that you take are what's going to compound and become a much larger, you know, advancement towards your goals in, in the long run. And I feel like when I kind of um, help them understand that, it gives them a confidence where they do find that magical space where they can find a routine that's sustainable for them. And they start making these changes and it becomes addicted it becomes a true habit change and lifestyle change and um that confidence I feel like is what keeps them coming back it's what makes them proud of themselves I tell people all the time it doesn't matter you know if I'm proud of you I know you want me to be proud of you as your coach right it doesn't matter if your family's proud of you are you proud of yourself that's all that really matters so I think that's where and you know I will say the second part of my program in particular is the community aspect. So we have a group chat. You there? Uh, yep, gotcha. Just Sorry, I lost you for a second. second. No, you're all good. Um, so, you know, I feel like they come into this this group sitting and or group setting where they feel safe and they are getting the support that may, that they might not be getting in their personal lives, and that's what keeps people going. I've learned, you know, I was training people primarily early on in my career, one on one, and bottom line is people show up differently in groups. They show up for themselves when they see other people doing the same workouts. I especially, I noticed it in my female clients. I used to train, you know, women would come in one-on-one -on -one with me and be complaining, oh, that's too heavy, or I don't feel good today. And even in this virtual community, these women are seeing other women lift certain things, and they just go do it. There's no excuses. There's no, I don't feel good. People just go get it done. And it's because they're fueled by the, the strength in the community. It's, it's really, really powerful. And that even rolls over to me as a coach where I feel, I, I mean, I wake up, the first thing I do is go in the group chat, and I'm like, oh, these people are getting after it. I got to go get after it. I'm the leader of this crew, you know? Yeah. So it's really powerful. That was, that was a really good question. It sounds like really, a really, really positive powerful. feedback loop, right? It's like everyone's feeding into each other, and I think it's so good. And I think, you know, where 
I'm just so impressed with is just the programming itself. I think it, it has this good balance and maybe this is kind of what you're saying about like the gray area. And this is going to lead into what I really want to go into to kind of bring these nutrition questions and overall health and confidence together. But I think your programming being that gray area for someone where it's a little bit more friendly than someone maybe picking up a barbell, but like what a heck of a good introduction to strength training, right? Oh, if I can lift that, I can lift that, right? And they can go back into like a weight room if they needed to and all that kind of stuff, right? But it's something here where you're building confidence in people. And to be honest, that's exactly what I like to tell people that, you know, we end up, just to get down to it for a second, that's what we end up selling, right? We end up giving. We end up giving people confidence. It's not a stronger, leaner body. It's not eating healthier. It's not, um, you know, better health in general. It's the confidence that they're doing the right thing and they can do the right thing on their own in the future. And that, I think, is what you've been able to really put together in the Ladder App on your, uh, in your, in your Body and Belt program. It's just amazing. So Absolutely. It's... Uh, it's it's really something that trying to now, I'm trying to bridge this into my next thing of overall health, muscle health, being under muscles, right? These are things that I know you preach yourself, but you've found this way to really support people and help them there. How do you approach somebody improving their health with the idea of muscle? And I'm asking this, because it's something that I try to really um, get into people's heads about, you know, well, what the first rule in nutrition that I always say is muscle maintenance. If we're not maintaining your muscle, we're not supporting your health. Um, and so when we're looking at a body and bell program, just overall resistance training, eating in a way that maintains muscle, can you help me help other people by framing um, muscle, muscle building, getting stronger for people who maybe are afraid of those words. Do you catch what I'm trying to get at? Yeah, totally. Um, I would say I have this conversation probably like seven times a day. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that's all the time, right? Uh, so I'm like, where do I begin with this topic? Um, so, you know, like I mentioned, uh, with the whole, like easing into a strength program and the stigmas around it and gaining muscle. And, um, there's a lot of, uh, questions. I get that it's confusing. Um, my, my goal is to make this really, um, simple for people. Right. So, um, I would say the biggest thing in particular is people come in usually with the wrong focus. People are obsessed with fat, fat loss. They're focused on, um, you know, things that they hate about themselves or things that they can't do. And they just come in with the wrong mindset. And so the first thing I really focus on is just breaking down the concept of, you know, focusing on just muscle and just protein first. Um, but that's hard for people. And so rewiring that mindset of, I don't need to be so focused on fat. I need to be more focused on protein and muscle. How do we go about that conversation? And I think one of the biggest misconceptions is, as you and I both know, putting on muscle mass is not easy. It is extremely hard to do. And I have women come into me almost every single day wanting to lose fat, but not willing to 
grasp the concept of trying to put on muscle and focusing on that mm-hmm. when that's extremely hard to do. They're afraid to get bulky and the whole thing. And I'm just sitting here like, do you realize how hard that is? And, you know, the other thing people don't really understand is that is nothing but a product of not focusing on muscle, right? Like that. Um, and muscle is our metabolic currency. It is, uh, you know, it is responsible for our metabolism. And not only that, it's also an endocrine organ. It's the largest organ in the body. Um, it is uh, responsible, you know, for <laughs> improving insulin and glucose, blood glucose problems, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. As insulin resistance starts in the muscle. And so all these people come in with all these problems that they're blaming on fat or, you know, needing to lose weight, but no one's talking about muscle and protein. And so those are the first conversations I start to have. If that answers your question at all. Yeah, wait, no, it definitely does. Because I think that it, when we when we talk about overall health, people don't really, they don't focus on the muscle. And I like what you said, don't, don't hate me if I get this wrong here, but you mentioned that fat is not anything but a product of not focusing on muscle. I think that's what you said. Um, yeah. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but it's so true, right? Because I basically want to tell people, right, we are looking at maintaining your muscle at least, if not growing it. Um, and if I do anything, you know, from a nutrition standpoint, uh, to remove muscle from your body or allow you to eat in such a way that would do that, then I'm only, um, I'm only harming you. And so I think when people hear that, like, okay, muscle's important. That's what they walk away with. It's good. So that conversation will forever remain. And I, I, I think you've been spending a lot of time with Dr. Lyons. Is that correct? Um, kind of talking more about muscle health and, um, you know, the importance of focusing on it, which I think has been an amazing message altogether. She's really been a force in, in that side. And I, I love strong, well-spoken women um, that are leading by example uh, and kind of showing this. Where I think it's challenging, and tell me if you hear this, when you kind of talk about this, you know, what, what are those stigmas, the things that people kind of come back with, and do you have a response because I know I, I kind of have my way of going about it. But when you hear someone say, and it's mainly women that I'll hear this from, well, I don't want to get bulky. I don't want to get big, right? So lifting will do that or focusing on muscle health will do that. Um, and so they say, what do they usually say? I want to I look toned and lean and I want long muscles. And it's like, okay, so we have a lot to go through. Do you have um, kind of a rebuttal there in the most friendliest way to kind of help someone understand? And you kind of said it when you said muscle's hard to build. And I love saying that, but it's sometimes people are like, stop saying that. I get it. But I still don't want to get big and bulky. What do you use yeah, to say no. to someone that's saying those things? This is definitely the, this is the most challenging conversation I have to have. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it, it goes back to the whole rewiring uh, perspective that has to happen and getting people to stop, you know, focusing on fat. And, um, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into talking more about macros and stuff, but people are also obsessed with like carbs and fats and when to eat. And they're just focused on all these things that really don't matter. Yeah. Um, and you know, so I, I go down the path of, it's it's just like there's so much science behind like why it's hard to put on muscle and all this stuff. So what I what I have them do is I first break down the barrier of let's talk about what toning means. Like 
your muscles are already toned. Yeah. Like there's, it, it's lean mass, right? The, the problem is you have a layer of fat where you can't see those lean muscles. Yeah. And so I'm like, if we start focusing on, you know, tar- strength training and working your muscles, and I'm not saying this is the other thing too that I just don't think people understand is I'm not saying every workout needs to be intense. I'm not saying you need to go lift 500 pounds. I'm just saying you need to do some resistance training and get those muscles to, you know, work in a way that's going to promote your metabolism to be even higher. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it is, it is a very challenging conversation and it takes a, uh, you know, my biggest piece what I want everyone to take away from this conversation is that the rewiring takes time and also the results take time. So this isn't something that you just understand right away. You know, hitting protein goals is is very challenging. Learning about the food you're eating is very challenging. And the whole body recomposition takes time. And and people don't like that. That's the, the, the bottom line. They want very quick, fast results. And they spend years yo-yo dieting and fad dieting and doing all the things. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tricky one. And I'm not going to point at, I'm not going to go down the whole path of most, it's mostly women who come in with this concept because I'm the first to do that as well. But I have a lot of men coming in Mm -hmm. saying the same stuff. And I'm like, first of all, you know, I, I squash the whole, like, it's hard to put on muscle or it, that I squash the whole fact that it's like easy to put on muscle. It's very challenging. And it's even more challenging the older you get. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's something you kind of wish you could, uh, you know, put someone in a simulator and fast forward them in, you know, some sort of like multiverse be like, okay, here's you today in three months. And then here's you in three months if you did lift and you see a big difference, right? It's almost like you wish you could like show someone the future. Um, and it, it's it's hard to break that stigma. But I think as long as we can keep this message going, um, you know, one, that muscle is where we should focus. Uh, and that we really break down the idea that, you know, it is hard to build muscle. And if you are going to remain afraid to kind of bring in some strength training, then um, you might be holding yourself back. So just try it. Just really try it. And again, I think that comes back to your um, your programming. I think it really found such a good area, that gray area that maybe you're talking about, yeah. to, to just welcome someone in. Because, you know, if pe- people are intimidated by you know, strength training, whether it's location like a gym or just like the look of the, of the equipment itself. Um, but again, you've done a great job with that, which is just amazing there. Um, so... Good. We're talking about your program, the importance of things. Like I've, I've been like, hey, look, go check out Lauren's program. It looks like it's amazing. You got to try it. Um, and people have been so open to the idea too. But let's kind of get into some of that muscle health stuff that you know we do talk about more. One thing we always talk about too in terms of muscle health is like you know minimums. What's the minimum amount of strength training someone should be doing to support their health? I know what my answer is. I'm kind of curious, like, what do you talk about for, you know, the minimums? And then what do you talk about for the change that someone really wants to see? Like frequency of workouts. What do you usually tell people? Yeah, so, 
you know, it's really, it's really interesting because there is no right number. There's no right amount of time. There's really, I tell people it's a feeling and, um, Step one is always easing into a program because if you go in too hard, too heavy, you're going to be sore and you're not going to want to train the next day when really adapting to, you know, a program takes time and consistency. So I tell people, you know, at least three times a week, um, bare minimum, and it needs to be... I I go by like a rate of perceived exertion, which is just how hard something feels like on a scale of one to 10. And you want to have in whatever set you're doing, whatever muscle groups, you want to have the last couple reps feeling very challenging, very fatiguing. Okay. So for some, for someone that might be bicep curls with five pounds, which is a great start. And for some people that might be, you know, deadlifting, you know, 200 pounds for four reps, you know, like there's, it's very different for everyone. And I always tell people, right, like ease in, um, take pieces of it because what usually happens is people go in way too hard, way too fast and they can't sustain it and they burn out and then no one is winning there. So I would definitely say, you know, I don't like to put numbers on things because it's just so relative and, and subjective, but Three times a week and, you know, you need to have some sort of like, you need to be fatigued from it, whatever the bout is. So it's more of a feeling for me. Got it. So kind of it's, you know, I think you're also saying it's kind of relative to what someone's been doing relative to their goals as well, but you have to be able to feel it out to kind of know how much you might need to do because everybody's body is going to be different. You know, we have different responders to, you know, what someone's muscle is. We can get into like type one, type two muscle fibers and all that kind of stuff too. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, looking at any of muscle health research, I think we've seen that, you know, at, there's a minimum of at least two days a week that I've seen. Right. And so while I think, yes, it does need to be individualized. I think like at least our two days, what I always recommend, I like the three, let's push it. Um, but I think we also want to keep that understanding too of, um, progressive overload. I think a lot of people have heard that term before. What does progressive overload really mean? And what is it going to do for someone's body? Yeah, so the the whole concept of progressive overload is our bodies are extremely adaptable. And another fun fact about our bodies is they crave stress. (laughs) Okay. And people don't like to hear that. Uh We do really well under stressful situations for learning how to adapt. And so progressive overload is the concept of introducing either more stimulus or different stimulus to, uh, you know, the muscle groups in order for them to adapt. And now this is where progressive overload doesn't always mean adding weight. So progressive overload can be adding time under tension. It can be adding duration. It can be, like I said, adding variability. There's so many different components to progressive overload. But the idea is continually stressing the system into a place where it has to change and adapt. And, um, that's where the the results start to happen. You start to get stronger. You start to get more confident, and you know things become easier over time. And um, 
yeah, so that that's the concept of progressive overload, and I would say that's what separates the ladder app in particular. There's a mm. lot of fitness apps out there who are doing random workouts where you just mm. kind of log in, you pick something, you do it, and I am not going to ever rip on that because I think we have a bigger problem where people are not doing anything because they're sure. so overwhelmed. They're mm. sitting on couches. So if doing a random workout is getting you off of your butt, I'm all for it. But if you want to see results, if you want to um, get stronger, you have to be on a progressive program that's challenging the same muscle groups, the same movements um, in different ways for longer periods of time at heavier loads to get a response. So uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I tell people when it comes to the whole progressive overload um, concept. Perfect. Yeah. I love when people really understand that it's not just more weight all the time, right? There are different ways that you can change intensity. I think it just, it softens that again, gets them back to that gray area. This is your concept I keep bringing up. So if I'm saying it wrong, let me know. But, uh, you know, people kind of realizing like how to, um, one, get into things, how to stay into things, um, a little bit easier, more motivated. And I think all those definitions that you gave are, are perfect. Um, so Lauren, Let's kind of transition a little bit over to just some nutrition stuff, right? So with with your programming, with what you do, how we know about muscle from a training standpoint, what does someone have to do to make sure that they are, and let's stick with what the goals that we see a lot of times are. They want to lose muscle, they want to lose body fat, um, they want a, a leaner body, right? They want to look good naked, they want to look good in a bathing suit. When you're like, look, I got everything right here. It's in my, it's in my programming. You just, you follow along. I'm going to let you know, but the nutrition side, these are the three things. Like if you want to boil it down to that, but what does someone have to do from a nutrition standpoint to get to that point? Confidence in their body, you know, with everything I just said. Totally. So as far as fat loss goes, uh, this is just like the one truth that a lot of people don't want to you know, uh, here, and that is that calories are the most important. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you would agree with your background as well. Uh, energy does matter. Um, there's ways to go about feeling really good when you're trying to diet, but calories in versus calories out is the number one thing for fat loss to happen, um, or weight loss, whatever. Uh, But the easiest way to go about that and the most important way to go about that is leading with protein first. Protein is the most important macronutrient. So there's protein, fats, and carbs, right? There is an alcohol, but we won't talk about that right now. And um, so when we lead with protein first, that means that the deficit you need to create for fat loss to happen, I always say you need to take that from your fat and carb allotment. Mm -hmm. So... When we focus on protein, I always recommend about one gram per one pound of your target body weight. So I always like to choose myself as an example. I usually weigh about 125 to 130 pounds. I try to hit 120 to 140 grams of protein every day, and I usually do it. Um, so if I'm targeting that, I'm usually, you know, I that's what is going to help, you know, with Muscle, uh, not even just like growth, but um, maintenance, like we talked about. When we're maintaining that muscle mass or growing it, we're keeping our metabolism alive and active. So 
with those two things, you know, focusing on calories first, they, that's the most important thing. Uh, and then second to that is hitting your protein and taking, you know, I, again, this is not me offering advice. I'm not an RD, but what I've seen work really well, you know, for people is you do have to create a pretty decent deficit. And a lot of people are thinking that they're burning a lot more calories than they actually are. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, I don't, I have to talk about this very loosely just because of my background, but from my experience and from my own personal, you know, um, day to day, I stopped wearing an activity tracker. I do think that there's a lot of pros to that. And I love that it keeps people accountable. And I, you know, I love to, if I'm ever going for a run or something, that's when I like to wear one just so I can know how far I went. Right. Mm-hmm. But I used to be obsessed with my watch and I would be in workouts so worried about how many calories I was burning. And when most of the time they're not necessarily the most accurate, we want to sure. look at trends when we're monitoring information like that. So it, it is a great way to just make sure your average is along the line. I always tell my group, you know, what gets measured gets managed. Mm-hmm. And so that's, it's a great thing to track, but don't get so obsessed with calories that you're burning and focus more on the calories you're consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, th- I mean, that's where I always start people is we need to figure out your BMR, as you know, your basal metabolic rate, how much you are burning without any activity. And then we need to understand how much protein you should be consuming. And then we need to understand how active you are. Try to find, a, you know, a five about, I always say like about a 500 calorie deficit somewhere. And it's just a good marker. It depends on the size of the creature and their activity. This is why I do private coaching, right? Mm-hmm. As I'm sure you do. It's not, this is not an absolute way for everyone to go about this, but it's a good gauge. Sure. And, um, you know, from there, then we worry about carbs and fats. And what I've learned in my experience is people usually come in focused on carbs and fats and uh, output in their workouts. Mm -hmm. So they're coming in backwards to a situation Mm -hmm. where the things you need to be focused on are honestly the complete opposite. I agree with that. Yeah, for sure. I think those inclusive goals of the things that matter most, right, coming from a muscle-centric standpoint, I think is so important. Um, I love what you're saying about wearables. I do do have a specific question from things that I've seen from you, and I'm – it's actually something that kind of like shifted in my head a little bit. I'm going to bring it up in a second, but I wanted to go back to wearables for a second. I, I, I also don't wear wearables anymore because I always felt that it was something that either um, it did create some sort of guilt, some sort of shame, and it was a thing that I was trying to impress sometimes more than others, where really I was thinking like, what is this doing? And I, I've seen it so often that these wearables can really promote this idea of fragility Um, you know, someone thinking, well, you know what, my watch just told me that, you know, there's watches that give you strain and all that kind of stuff. Well, the watch just told me that I I really shouldn't work out today. And I think that can give you something, but I think it's also something where you've now allowed this watch to dictate what you are or aren't going to do. The same thing with steps, the same, well, I got enough steps in. It's like, well, you know, how did you get those steps and did you enjoy those steps? You know, is it something that you are, like, are you just chasing this one number or are you chasing the kind of movement that you're actually doing? Again, enjoyment or, you know, what's most beneficial for your end goal? Um, And this is where I have a hard time with it because we have a lot of people in the space that have this, um, and this is is a hot topic and 
I think very controversial, but there's almost, there's like the health at every size movement. There are movements around just like, you know, overall um, intuitive eating and not looking at numbers. But then again, you have people that are wearing watches and it's dictating the same thing that like tracking macros or looking at calories do just in a different way. And so it's like we're demonizing one thing over another. I just, I have such a hard time with wearables when we look at it as like gospel, um, as like this thing's okay and that thing's not. Um, but really when it comes down to it, it's like, are you, is there dedicated movement in your day? Are you doing the things that are going to get you to your goal? And like, we're all adults here. So can we all just be honest with ourselves if we're actually doing what we need to or not? Um, and yes, we can measure those things, but like, it's just these wearables that I think drive people to make it think like they're doing such a good thing. It's like, well, I think there's a, there's more nuance to it than that. Anyway, that's my soapbox statement with wearables. <laughs> no, you... You are so spot on with that. I like wish I had like louder for the people in the back. And I will be the first to tell you, I was distracted during my workouts because I was looking at my watch. I was not in the moment. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I'd be like, oh, my heart rate's high enough when I really wasn't pushing myself. I had multiple days, Brian, where I actually PR'd uh, rows that I would do when I was, I got super into rowing during the pandemic and I would always test my two K's. Yeah. I hard both of my two K rows on days. My watch would have told me I was too hungover or, you know, whatever. And yeah. if I had listened to that and not done it, I wouldn't have, who knows how I would have performed, mm -hmm. but like I felt good. I felt ready. And it's honestly about getting your mind right. And you can do anything that you want to do. And I, I have a huge issue with the wearables in regards to whole, almost like holding people back. Mm -hmm. Or like you said, oh, I hit my steps for the day. I'm good. It's like, no. Like, there, I have a problem with that. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, totally and agree with it you. Takes you. It takes you out of things just like people argue with, like, again, tracking calories and not staying aware of how it makes you feel. Same thing with the swatches. So, anyway, that's that. I think it's a good conversation on its, on its Everyone own. Everyone wants to be... Yeah. Everyone wants to be intuitive, but no one's actually listening to their bodies. Yeah, it's the truth. Um, I know we're coming up to time, and I really want to be respectful for your time. I know you're with your family as well. There is one thing that I just wanted to ask about, and this might seem like such a little thing, but um, it really did change the way that I approached some of my clients um, and the way that I kind of talked about certain things. But there was something you said where you felt like, Adults don't need to snack. Am I am I off base by saying that? Is that something you've said? No, totally. Okay. I talk about this all the time. Yeah, yeah. I I want to say I agree. <laughs> I also do do snack reviews with my daughter. Um, but uh, the idea here, I'm just and like the simplest sense of this. Yes, you snack less, you're likely going to be taking in less energy, and that can help with body fat loss. Um, but it's just. Again, this seems like such a simple statement, but it's not when you get down to it, right? Because people will almost think it's disordered for you not to think you can snack. And I'm like, is it? I don't think it is. Mm -hmm. Because the shift that it's really helped me with, Lauren, and it's like, it's, isn't it amazing these like little things get to people's heads? Like you might be like, I didn't realize that was something that I said so much. But it's something that I, I, I've, I've heard you say, and I was like, let me think about this and how to implement it. And I'll tell you where I implemented it the most is that less snacking gives you the opportunity to focus more on mealtime. 
And that I think itself can help you bridge gaps. I think it helps you get more in touch with your hunger cues. I think it helps you focus on food that can be a lot more um, uh, uh, energizing, more nutrient dense and all those things, right? If we snack less, this is what I took from your statement, is that we can focus on times that matter more. But can totally. you let me know, like, what, what do you mean when you say that adults don't need to snack? Yeah, so there's, there's two things really here with why I talk about this. Uh, the first is I truly don't think that people know what, how to be hungry. And they mm -hmm. need to learn that it's okay to be hungry, number one. Number two, they need to learn when it's real hunger versus boredom versus emotional hunger versus uh, stress, hunger, right? Um, I truly just think from like a time when we are little and granted little kids are, they need to snack, right? They're, they're growing, they're, they're trying to figure out their bodies and actually kids, I'm sure you would agree are the most normal eaters mm -hmm. from like ages, like one to seven, there's not really any emotional ties to hunger. They're like either hungry or they, or they're not watch your sure. kids eat. They'll eat when they're hungry. They'll stop when they're full. You know what I mean? Yeah. So kids, it's, it's different, but for adults, we create these habits around food and, you know, I don't have kids, so it's hard for me to speak to this. And, you know, I know I, I have been around a lot of kids. I used to nanny, but you know, when kids are crying and they're little, the first thing we're doing is like, Oh, are you hungry? Shoving food down their throat. Right. Um, and I just feel like habits get created and people turn to snacking when they feel the slightest little hint of hunger, whether it's real or whatever it is. And I just challenge people to kind of sit with it. And you'll, you'll learn that, you know, hunger kind of comes in waves at times, mm -hmm. uh, especially if it's emotional hunger. And uh, one way I like to determine if I'm like actually hungry or not is I will ask myself, you know, does a piece of, you know, <laughs> a turkey meat sound good or a grilled chicken breast or an egg, a protein source, if that doesn't sound good, I know I'm not truly hungry. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that's like my like little go-to trick for that. But the, the second part of this is people aren't, when they're turning to snacks, they're not grabbing, like I just talked about a protein source. They're grabbing fats, carbs, um, you know, nuts, fruits, or the, the stuff that they shouldn't be eating, which is all the processed crap. Mm -hmm. They're not grabbing protein sources. And my biggest thing with the whole snacking thing is we need to give our bodies a period to rest and digest. And, um, like you, like you mentioned, that helps regulate hunger hormones, all the things. But as far as like, um, triggering muscle protein synthesis, you have to have, I'm kind of like going on a rant with this now. So I'm trying to keep all my thoughts here. For <laughs> no, you, but it's all good. You're perfect. I talk about this all day. I talk yeah. about this all day. But we come into this space, whether you're trying to lose weight or you're trying to feel good, or you're trying to just figure out a good eating routine that works for you. Everyone hears you should have five small meals a day and keep your me metabolism going, blah, blah, blah. And that's just so not true. Um, technically, as far as like, I know you really wanted to talk about protein and stuff in this, in this chat in particular, but no, it's just, no, it's just, this is right on where we want to go. Right. I want to make sure okay. we're getting into the mind of someone who yeah. really knows the body well and from a trainer standpoint, but also someone who's really well versed in it. And you really are right. Dietitian or not, you still know your stuff. 
And so it's important yeah. to hear. Well, yeah. So um, it's, you know, so when we, when we look at protein, we're looking at the amino acids within that protein. And I'm not going to get too technical right now, but uh, when we when we have a feeding, we want to make sure we're hitting at least 30 to 50 grams of protein in a meal. And if you're snacking and having five meals a day, they might be smaller meals where you're actually not hitting that threshold required for muscle protein synthesis to happen. Um, or if you are, you're over consuming, which is going to be a problem if fat loss is a goal, right? So I tell people, or this is just what works for me personally, this is what works for a lot of my clients, uh, have three larger meals a day where you know you're getting enough protein and you're going to trigger that muscle protein synthesis uh, and, you know, you're going to feel satiated and, you know, you might not need to snack. I feel like a lot of times people might be snacking because they're not having large enough meals. Sure. And so yeah. it turns into five small meals a day. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so as far as the whole protein situation goes – I find that it's best, you know, and if you're a really active individual, you know, it depends on the size of the creature as well. You might need four larger meals a day. Um, but, but have those meals, you know, that are focused on the protein source first, make sure you're hitting the protein requirements. And then I like to fill my meals with life giving fats and carb sources around that and keep it really simple, you know, um, and I find that when I eat this way, I'm not hungry. I don't need to snack. And when I go into my next meal, Ryan, like, I'm actually hungry. And so I, I look forward to it. It's an event for me. I'm not just kind of mindlessly eating. Mm. And um, it, it, it becomes a much more, like, satiating situation and moment, you know, like I feel like people are mindlessly eating and kind of grazing. Sure. And, yeah. um, so that's what works for me. And you know, the, the first, this is just another thing that I talk about with a lot of people. A lot of people will do the whole fasting thing okay. or they, they won't, they'll have whatever window or they'll skip breakfast and they won't eat till noon. And look, if that works for you, do that. I want everyone to find what works for them. But I will say the first feeding that you have is one of the most is the most important and it needs to be very very high in protein to get amino acids into your bloodstream mm -hmm. and I could go on a whole other talk about women performing better in a fed state and all that but you know I the, the biggest thing when it comes to snacking or not snacking or fasting or not fasting and performance or working out fed or fasted, whatever, play around with it and figure out what works for you is my biggest tip. And then secondly, like learn how to sit with hunger. It is okay to be hungry. Mm -hmm. And, and you'll, you might really discover a lot about your habits and what makes you feel good. Um, yeah. So that, that's what I, I challenge a lot of my crew to do. And just don't be afraid of having larger meals. Like there's meals I'll have where it's like six, 700 calories at a time. And I, like I said, I don't like throwing numbers around because everyone's very different, but sure. I have larger meals, you know? Yeah. So. Well, anyways. you know what? I think numbers just provide structure and I think it's good. I love what you're saying right now. I even forgot about that is that you going into a meal feeling hungry. I think we're afraid of it, but it actually can provide that much more satisfaction. I, 
I always think that we have to find this area of this, you know, I, I really don't like the word balance, but um, this area uh, that we're comfortable in that really kind of brings together three things, satisfaction, satiety, and biological need. We can find things that do that, and some meals will be more on the satisfaction end, and some meals will be a little bit more on the uh, um, satiety or biological end, which is a more structured meal, which maybe isn't an A-plus meal in terms of flavor and taste, right? We need to have some of those B-minus meals to get to where we got to be to appreciate those A-plus meals. Um, and so I, I think all of that is just so necessary to understand, but it's not going to be the same for every single person. That's that's even as I as I go to you know rebuilding the whole podcast and rebranding myself here, right? That's kind of where I like to tell people like if it's working for you, right? Your health, your mindset, your definition of success, like no one deserves to tell you different, right? You have to do you, but you also have to be honest with you. Is it truly working with all those things? Is it truly getting you know you to optimal health and optimal mindset and your definition of success? If it's not. You might have to sit with hunger. You might need to increase your protein. You might need to do these other things that we're definitely talking about. So anyway, Lauren, you have you are a, a wealth of experience and a wealth of information and such a pleasure to talk to. Um, you're changing people's lives, and I keep turning people over to Body and Bell on the Ladder app. And anyone listening, I hope that they really, you know, if they're looking for uh, this confidence that they didn't know they had, go find Lauren. Do whatever you can right now. Go find her, find her program, and jump in um, and just don't look back. From everything I've seen, it's just been so amazing. So, um, But yeah, we're just coming up to an hour. I want to make sure, again, I'm respectful of your time here. I'd love to even have a second conversation at some point, go deeper in some of these topics. Um, but uh, I want you to go enjoy your family too right now, okay? Uh, but thank you so yeah, much for coming well, on, Lauren. I, I really appreciate the, the kind words, Ryan, it means a lot. Um, thank you so much for having me. And just one, one last thing I want to yeah, say, I could, like, I could talk for a You're being totally fine. I'm probably like going a little overboard. No, but no, no, no. The biggest thing I want everyone to take away from this conversation is food is meant to be enjoyed. It is so much more than just food. It is, it is social. It is emotional and it's okay for it to be that way. So like what Ryan just said, like it has to be satisfying. Don't eat things you don't like. You can make foods work for you. You can, I mean, I eat a lot of the same things and I'm, I'm a foodie. I love food. Uh, but you know, if you, the more you, you take time to really learn about calories and macros and what's in the food you enjoy and learn how to make them work for you, that's when you're really going to get into a groove be able to sustain things and, uh, you know, get, get the results that you want. It's when you start eating things you don't like, or you start trying to fast, even though you don't like to fast and really just experiment a little bit, but it comes down to learning. And like, like I tell my crew, it's, you know, what gets measured gets managed and don't be afraid. There's so, I feel like tracking calories has a, a, a stigma and everyone views it as restriction and, it doesn't need to be viewed that way. It can mm -hmm. really be more so about awareness and mindfulness and just understanding, especially when it comes to protein. Yeah. So that's, that's the last thing I'll leave everyone <laughs> with, but yeah. It's a great period and a great conversation. So thank and you so much. I really much appreciate you too, Ryan. You're, you, we, I think it's really funny. We've never actually met in person, but you and I go way back. We've always <laughs> been kind of like 
you know, you, I mean, you're doing such great stuff. I love the little uh, snack reviews you do with your daughter. She's gotten so big. She's so adorable. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been really fun. My dad the other day was like, yeah, you know what? I just want the snack reviews. I don't care about the snacks. I don't care about you. I just like to see her grow. So, like, <laughs> well, then for, yeah, exactly. for, for any reason, we'll just make sure we have to keep up with that. But, um uh, yeah. yeah, with that, Lauren, thank you so much. I'm going to let you go. Um, and let's definitely do this again sometime. Um, and uh, thanks. Enjoy your time in Colorado. And we'll talk soon, okay? Totally. Thanks, Ryan. Okay. I appreciate it. Take care, Lauren. Bye. Have a good one.